You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Alex Varallo. Alex, how are we feeling on this fantastic Tuesday evening post-Monday night blowout? Um, all the emotions. <laughs> Not a particular one. Um, all the emoticons. I-, I went through all of them today. Frustration, anger, nausea. <laughs> I wanted to cry. Um I think I went through them all today. I think we're going to get through this. Um, tough times to be a Jets fan. But uh, we're here to talk through it, right, Glenn? Yes, yes, that we are. And um, tough times. I mean, you uh, – I, I, I can't – and, you know, obviously, I, you know, I, I picked the Jets to lose this game, and I thought it would be an embarrassing loss. But even still, it's it still – even when it happens, you're like, how the hell did this happen? You know, I thought the Jets would score a little bit more. I thought they'd give up more points, though. I, I think I said 35-16 or something like that was my prediction. Uh, but it's you don't even know where to begin. So many things went wrong. <laughs> so I mean, you know, the number of things that went right, you you could probably count on one hand. I mean, let's be honest, there were a couple of pleasant surprises. Uh, but all around the. Uh, I mean, let's face it, the, the, the frustration was on the offensive side of the ball where the Jets have a head coach who comes in with this reputation as being, uh, you know, an innovator and, the, you know, the stamp of approval from Peyton Manning. And, it, you know, it's going to be an electric offense is what Sam Donald was saying. And, and, and I, you know, I listen, I know that backups and you know, offensive line was struggling. You're on your second, your third quarterback. I get all that. But, you know, one thing I said during the game, or I tweeted out, and it got a, got a fair bit of response, that, listen, you can't – Adam Gase is supposed to be an offensive guru, an offensive genius. It, at one point, I want to say it was early second quarter, the offensive genius had orchestrated a game plan that had resulted in four completions, three of which were behind the line of scrimmage. One completion beyond the line of scrimmage in a quarter of football in a game that by the time all was said and done, the wide receivers were non-existent, non-factors. Tight at the tight ends had one target, one. Negative and, thirteen and yards in the first half. Minus thirteen yards in the first half. Offensive offensive guru, Peyton Manning seal of approval. And listen, when the Jets hired Adam Gase, I said at the time that 
I, I had to I had to come into this with an open mind only because I was so tired of being pissed off about having a bad head coach. Like I had to give him a fresh start for the sake of giving my head a couple of months off from thinking, why the hell is this guy our head coach? Which is what I just did for a few years with Todd Bowles. And now we got a guy who, and, and Adam, you know, Alex, you know, I, I've said this many times, and, and I'd like to get your thoughts on, this is the first thing that, that, that really, I mean, the reporters were all over it, the media, the, I'm sure they said it during the game. Why do you go into a game where, or shouldn't even say go into a game, when you are in the middle of a game where your left tackle is getting absolutely manhandled by an all-pro type D lineman, and not only do you give him no help, but I don't, second game in a row, Alex, I could be wrong, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember a single rollout. I don't remember the quarterback taking a snap from center and just and just and just making you know covering some ground to get get to his own right and away from Miles Garrett and buy himself a little bit of time. No effort was made that I could see or recall. No effort was made to stop Miles Garrett from from doing what he did. I think he finished three sacks, a few quarterback hits. Some some I didn't I didn't realize how dirty he was. He had some dirty dirty hits. But look, some guys play that way. But what the hell is going on when you just look at Kelvin Beecham and say, hey, man, sorry this guy's beating you like he is, but uh, we're just going to keep doing that. We're not going to change it up at all. What, what, what was going through your head by, by the third time we saw Kelvin Beecham get beat? And there was one play, let's, let's be honest, on one of those Garrett sacks, at least from my, from my vantage point, Kelvin Beecham was lined up from a guy right over his nose, and that that's the guy you pick up. I mean, Garrett and the defender in his face both came, and you pick up the guy closest to the quarterback, which meant Garrett had a free run. There was no tight end. There was no back to chip, and Miles Garrett just comes in completely untouched. And to me, that was just a numbers thing. We did see some plays where – it looked like the Browns sent more than the Jet, more players than the Jets had into block. But what was your thought? What what are your thoughts on the way Miles Garrett played and Adam Gase's refusal to to offer any help or to to move the pocket a little bit to give his quarterback some time? Yeah, it was definitely um, frustrating. I, I had concerns that we were going to suffer another uh, player retiring on us um, in Calvin Beecham because. I don't think I've ever seen uh, a player getting beat that bad before. Um, that was a complete mismatch. Uh, now, I do know um, that Booger McFarlane, um, dreadful, by the way, uh, we, we definitely need better Monday night football crew. But anyway, um, he did mention that there were certain times they were running max protection and some two tight end sets. Um, I didn't see a lot of that, to be quite honest with you. Um, maybe it was just uh, a couple times early on. I haven't finished my review yet, so that's definitely something that I'll be keying in on, um, just seeing the types of alignments and, and things like that. It was extremely frustrating. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, if, if that is the type of pressure that is coming your way 
then you should design some plays away from Miles Garrett, um, you know, and, and, and start targeting the, the, you know, rolling out to the right side toward Brandon Shell just to try to help out for a little bit. But, you know, I think as a whole, the entire offensive line played absolutely horrible last night. Um, there was interior pressure. There was exterior, you know, on the outside pressure coming in. Um, they were dialing up blitzes left and right. Um, and that that's the one thing that, that needs to be worked on here is that these guys really need to understand or Adam Gaze has to put together a specific playbook that says, okay, guys, if we're running, you know, play X for whatever reason, and uh, the, the mismatch game in the tackle box isn't equaling up, uh, these are the series of plays that I want you to audible in this type of scenario. Everybody in the football and the NFL league has, has plays like that. And, and we need to implement that immediately because teams know right now that we have a problem at the quarterback situation. We have a problem with the offensive line um, who has not worked um, more than two weeks together. And teams are just going to continue to dial up the pressure on us and say, you're going to have to beat us with quick throws, dinking and dunking. We're not going to be able to have the time to go through our progressions and, and get deep threat players like Robbie Anderson involved. Uh, so I, I don't know what the, the, the scheme is. I would think that a strong run game might change things around. Um, but it just amazes me that there was limited amount of audibles and, and plays at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, being changed. So that's something that definitely needs to happen moving forward. I do remember one thing, um, and it was uh, – it ended up being in an incompletion, but Brian Winters had called out um, an offensive line protection. It looked like Simeon did not see it, and then he made an adjustment off of that, and they almost uh, made a conversion. So it, it looks like they started to get it. Um, it just happened too late, and I kind of felt like Simeon was one play away from kind of getting that that uh, anxiety or that nervousness off because um, I just felt like all he needed to do was make one big play or just like one completed throw. To, to get himself rolling because he definitely seemed like he had happy feet. Um, there was a play in which uh, I think uh, Josh Bellamy had an opportunity, and then there was another one early on with Robbie Anderson. Um, they weren't great throws, but he, he put the ball in the vicinity, and, you know, our guys did make plays, and execution's a big thing. So it, it really, really is unfortunate to see how much struggling – um, this offense has right now at this moment, and and it's a collective. You know the the receivers don't seem to be on the same page with the quarterbacks, and the offensive line does not seem to be working together like a unit. And and these are things that have to be corrected sooner than later. Otherwise, we're going to continue to see our quarterbacks uh, on the sidelines getting you know injured. So, well, really, that's, really I'm, I'm glad I'm stuff. glad you you touched on the O line as a whole, Alex, because. Um, I haven't had a chance to go back and rewatch yet because, you know, after, after, you know, flying out there week one to watch the Jets get their, their heads kicked in. I, uh, you know, of course being over here, uh, it's it's a 1 a.m. or 1.15 a.m. kickoff time. So I've been up for like 22 hours now because I got up to watch the game, Uh, but busy day. So I haven't had a chance to rewatch the whole thing. I rewatched a little bit of it. And the thing that jumped out to me the second time through was, that as, as you know, we're talking about the O line. The O the line, you know, they need more talent. They need better players. They need this. They, and I get all that. But they were they were so 
bad and so out of sorts that it's almost like you took an offensive line with with questionable talent and put them through some of the worst coaching imaginable. I mean, the miscommunication, the, the inability. And I saw it. I, I actually saw, I forget who it was. I think it was Connor Hughes. It was one of the beat guys. I'm pretty sure it was Connor Hughes. Um, tweeting out similar stuff, like screenshots of, you know, here, here are, you know, four Jets offensive linemen standing around watching Le'Veon Bell try to break three tackles, and they're literally just looking at him. Um, you know, plays where almost every single Browns defender is behind the Jets' entire offensive line, with the exception of maybe one guy. And, I mean, it, it was just a, an, a complete collapse of the entire unit. And I think I and I think another thing at play here, not just the talent, not just the poor coaching, and and you hit the nail on the head and a few of us mentioned this early in the season that well, Jesus, it's still early in the season. It might feel like week 11, but it's week 2. Um <laughs> the the the, la- the lack of reps together, zero reps together as a unit um in the pre- during the preseason. But the other thing was and I've touched on this, you know, and I, I got on Adam Gase and a, a few people have tweeted at me about it. I don't really I don't give a damn. Um, the, the play calling. And again, I understand it was a backup quarterback and a third string quarterback and a weak offensive line. But and, and you know, people might say I'm a hypocrite. Oh, what the hell, Glenn? Week one, you said you got to throw screen passes to, to slow down the rush. Now, week two, they throw screen passes and you're saying they didn't throw the ball down the field enough. Well, it's, it's got to be a balance. You can have 14, 15 passes, 16 pa- however many passes, within five yards of the line of scrimmage, inside of 10 yards, screens and swings and dump-offs, when, when the defense has nine guys in that vicinity. You've got to do something to stretch it out a little. Again, roll the guy out. Try to, try to hit on a, a, an intermediate route. And you hit on a couple of those, and then maybe the defense backs off a little. But it was sort of a perfect storm. Questionable talent on the O-line. Clearly not, you know, the coaching has a way to go because the communication execution was atrocious. But then you throw on top of that the fact that the team is just, they're just pinning their ears back and coming after you. But even more concerning, honestly, we saw enough plays where the Browns got home without having the blitz, without having to send extra bodies. So on some plays they did. When they didn't, it didn't seem to matter. But they did enough of it that that, is sort of another wrench in the offensive game plan. So you're not moving the pocket. You're not throwing the ball beyond 10 yards. You have a unit that hasn't worked together. And an and, and aggressive defense. And it was a perfect, you know, the perfect storm for a disastrous performance. And Adam Gase, again, you know, offensive genius, I'm – and, I, you know, people, someone said to me, you know, how come, why are you giving Adam Gay such a hard time? You know, you, it, it's two games. You, you, you supported Rex Ryan so strongly when he was here. And, you know, you gave these guys so much time. Listen, Adam, Adam Gase isn't a rookie guy. He's done this. And he's a guy whose forte is supposed to be offense. And the offense looks like a disaster. And even when he had a healthy quarterback in week, well, what well, we thought healthy, I should say. You know, we know now Donald wasn't in great shape at week during uh, week one. But you look at his body of work with the Dolphins, where we said, oh, okay, you know, maybe he, he had some bad quarterbacks, which he did. 
but it was a lot of the same stuff. So I'm 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 not saying I'm completely out on Adam Gase, but I'm just looking at it like I'm not I'm kind of fed up with and I say it all the time. I'm probably of all, you know, of all my friends who follow this team, I think I'm I'm always the one to say wait and see. Wait and see. We we don't know. We don't know. We don't have a crystal ball. Let's let's, you know, err on the side of caution. Let's not jump the gun. And I'm I feel like I am kind of jumping the gun a little bit out of Adam Gase. But what are, what are your thoughts on him? Again, I know it's only two games, Alex. I know there are issues. I know the O-line issues. I know the quarterback situation, but just his overall handling of the game plan, basically, after two weeks of some questionable play calling, what are, what are your thoughts on Adam Gase after a couple weeks as the Jets head coach? I know, obviously, I know it's early, but damn, is it frustrating? What are your thoughts, Alex? Well, you know, I'm going to go all the way back to week one now, and in that second half. When you had a lead like that, you have a running back in Le'Veon Bell. You have a monster of a fullback slash tight end in, in Trayvon Wesco. And your offensive line is struggling to get a push up front. And you got young, hungry, you know, athletes on this team that want to make, you know, a claim for themselves and get their name out there so that people can, you know, go out, buy jerseys, blah, 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 all those things. And you didn't utilize your personnel uh, properly. I also feel that when C.J. Mosley went out, they went into a bunch of drop-back zone coverage, playing their defensive back seven, eight yards off the ball, trying to keep everything in front, and then trying to tighten up the defense when you got inside, you know, the red zone. And sometimes that works. But clearly we saw a 16-point lead be given up. So that goes back, you know, obviously with execution and coaching. So, they, you know, they never had their, their foot on the gas pedal week one, um, and, and they should have, you know, tried to take some shots or do some things to, to keep the defense honest, but you didn't try to run the ball out. You didn't try to manage the clock at all. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's, that's just my assessment on week one, week two. Um, it looks like he played, he called the game plan where he was just timid. Um, now I understand that you've got probably limited talent. Maybe he doesn't have a lot of confidence in Trevor Simeon and you don't want to get him started off with an early turnover, and, and, and then, you know, the rest of the game is just, you know, an uphill fight. So I, I get it not being a little bit conservative to start, but I kind of got the feeling like, what do you got to lose at this point? You know, your quarterback is freaking mono of all the things that he could get. You know, fortunately this is, you know, uh, something that's not going to be, you know, like a knee surgery or shoulder surgery or something like that. You know, it's a virus, so we don't know how long this is going to take, and this is just one of those weird, weird, jet seasons, but you can't play scared in this league. You have to be aggressive at some point. And I, I didn't even really feel that they opened up the playbook until Luke Falk came in. Because then all of a sudden you started to see more throws down the field. And and he actually played a quite a good game. I think it was 20 to 25 or something like that in completions. Um, and, and they put together one drive that ended with a fumble, but it just seemed like they were extremely timid and that there wasn't a lot of confidence um, with Trevor Simeon. And I don't think that they're utilizing the personnel properly. Um, You know, what do I know? Uh, I'm not an expert with these things, but I do know that there are players that can help in certain areas, even with the fact that if you had to 
take an extra lineman and throw an extra lineman in as a tight end to get some extra pass blocking in, you do whatever it takes to, to keep your quarterback upright. So they, they definitely did not utilize the personnel correctly in my mind to counter effect the, the, the pass rush that the Cleveland filed up. And, you know, Simeon, I, I kind of thought was going to be competent and, you know, maybe we'd see a little bit of a, a surprise, but the offensive line gave no chance for a Le'Veon Bell. He, he threw, he did, he worked so hard. Um, he put everything out on the field last night and, and clearly that's just not going to be enough moving forward. So they have to figure out a way to get this running game together because we have a problem at the quarterback. We have to establish some sort of identity on the offense. And I think it's going to have to start with a strong run game. And then you're going to have to figure out ways to, to get the ball into Robbie Anderson's hand. Um, Cleveland clearly did their homework and tried to bottle up Jamison Crowder the best that they could. They did a really, really good job of keeping him non-existent. But not getting the ball into Robbie Anderson's hands until the second half is just something that cannot happen moving forward. Um, but, uh, oh, my God. I'm just trying to replay everything. It's, it's frustrating, man. So frustrating. It, it'll drive me nuts. I'm seriously – I'm sitting here – I feel like this is a, a sort of a, a yearly routine now. Every year, you know, you, you hit a point early in the season where you – I can't remember the last time it felt this, you know, the, a season felt lost after week two. And really, I, I, I knew they were going to lose that game. So before the game even kicked off, you know, you feel like is this – that? and this, this, again, this is why I said that week one game was so big. It was the most winnable game on the schedule, and they let it get away. And and now you're at zero and two. One and one, zero and two is is just, you know that that mounts up. And in the coming weeks, there there will be many more losses coming. But uh, let, let's go to the phones real quick. We have a we have a caller on the line. Caller calling in from a six one two area code. Caller, what's your name? What do you got? Yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. My name's David. How you guys doing today? Doing good, David. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, I just wanted to point out from the Jets standpoint. I think um, having a bad year would be a blessing in disguise. I think you got to look at things more long-term, kind of like what Miami's doing and realizing uh, there was no chance anyway this year the Pats are going to run away with the AFC East. And if you look down the road, it's obvious. I mean, Brady's about to retire. Belichick will probably hang it up soon after that. The Pats are going to fall into the tank in about the next two to three years. And the AFC East will open up. I mean, the only the main contender will be the Buffalo Bills. And if you look what the Bills did, the Bills used a couple bad down years to essentially – you know, draft smart and build up a really solid defense, you know, invest picks in their offensive line, find the right quarterback, and now you see them progressing. And I think the Jets could do the same. Um, in that broadcast last night, it said, I think they said only 15 players on the roster have been drafted by the Jets. And so, you know, it's a good year. The next two, three years, they should use it to tank. Use this Adam Gase tenure as essentially, you know, waste those years, use them as tanking, get draft picks, trade every player of value over the age of 25, and just use, you know, first, second, third round picks to build up, you know, the depth and the talent of the team, you know, especially on the offensive line. And I think the Jets could have a real contender in a couple of years, go out and get a good coach, and they're ready to roll in a wide-open AFC East. I, th- I think the concern there, a couple things. I think that if this team, that, you know, especially once guys come back healthy, once, you know, once Donald is back, once Herndon is back, hopefully, the, you know, the O-line improves as, as they get some more time together, again, more – more reps and build some chemistry. 
I think if you're still in the running for a top five pick when you've got all that in place, then you have to worry about whether or not you have the head coach. And you might you might be starting over again in, in a year or two, again, with, with a young quarterback, and you'll be looking at Sam Darnold will be on his third offense in four or five years. And if you do, if you don't win some games, you got a problem. And then if you do win some games, I think the I think the the, the tanking thing will be out because the Jets do have again if 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 Darnold does come back within the next two three games and play the way he played near the end of last year, and Herndon picks up where he left off, and and, and that listen, the if they can throw the ball a little bit, that's going to make the it's going to open things up a little bit. Uh, you know, it's going to make life easier on the offensive line. So sort of everyone will get a little bit better, ideally. And then you're going to win enough games that you're not going to get a top pick. You're going to be picking sort of 17, 18, something like that. Um, maybe, well, no, not, not going to be much lower than that, the way things are going right now. But um, especially now with the Steelers losing Big Ben, that game goes from, you know, maybe not being winnable to being winnable. If Again, this is all predicated on the, the idea that Darnold comes back healthy and, uh, and, and, Played the way he did toward the end of last year, but I understand what you mean in that it, you know there would be some value in, in having an early pick, but um, I think the concern there again becomes you, you're not you're not with Todd Bowles in year four or five where a bad year you know you're going to start over. That would mean that you've just hired a head coach who had enough talent to win some football games and still couldn't win football games, and then that becomes a, a you know a possibility. So I, I, I it's not that I don't see what you're saying. I think it just it worries me a little bit that it would bring into question the stability of the organization again for the immediate future and what Sam Donald would be what what he would be given to work with uh you know moving forward in early in his career uh, the potential of another head coach another offensive coordinator. Uh what do you think Alex? Um you know it's you know to go back to what the Bills did um the the Bills did it right. It, that's what I'm going to say first off, because this was a team that was in the playoffs in 2017. Um, they decided that they didn't want to deal with um, uh, Taylor anymore, so they traded him. They they made the move with Kansas City uh, so that they could stockpile some picks, and they went from a nine and seven team to a six and ten team with a rookie with a rookie, and now they're two and zero. Um, and they look like they've solved some of the, the big problems that they had offensively by redoing their offensive line, uh, bringing in new, uh, four new tight ends, uh, a couple new wide receivers. So the, bill, the Bills, you know, didn't spend much time, you know, air quoting, doing a rebuild. And it, it is a little um, pathetic uh, that it's taken this long for, for this Jets team to, to get their act together. Um, yes, they had, you know, what I looked on paper to be a great off season, but there were still too many glaring holes. Um, and that's an indictment on the, uh, on the front office, in my opinion. So, you know, th- we, we got a harsh reality that we're dealing with here, that this team is worlds away from, from putting out a competitive product on the field. Um, they, they need to, you know, get their micro, uh, get their magnifying glass out and start zeroing in on certain areas uh, like the secondary and, and figuring out ways so that we're not seeing the back of our defensive backs jerseys. We got to get guys in the trenches that can get after the quarterback and we have to have to get to protect our quarterback at all costs. 
So these are the things that are foundational aspects that football teams need that the Jets need to start focusing in on and righting the wrongs. Um, I'm kind of, you know, a little frustrated because this was the year where we were supposed to take a step and next year is supposed to be the year where we leap. Um, we still have Sam Darnold on the uh, economical uh, cheap con- rookie contract for, for what that is at $40 million. Uh, I can't imagine what it's going to look like a couple of years from now with quarterbacks asking for near 30 to $40 million a year. So the idea is to try to win a Super Bowl before we end up, you know, giving the entire, uh, you know, salary cap to Sam. And we have a great running back in-house right now that has a short um, lifespan or lifetime here that, that he's going to be relatively good on. So the Jets need to figure out a way to, to get all these things figured out by next year. This is clearly not going to be the year um, where, we, where we figure this out, but um, – at least now we can see the things that we need to improve on so that we start becoming a better football team because what we have right now and, and the game plan that, that we're currently trying to move forward with is not going to equate to, you know, six or seven wins this year. Um, and, and I'm not sure that a top five pick or a top ten pick is going to uh, fix all this team's problems. Now, that's why it seemed so critical last year to make a trade and stockpile some picks and start getting some young foundational players on the offensive line at the pass rushing position and at the cornerback position because these are all things that we've been talking about since the end of 2018. And to sit there and, and look at other teams that did that and focused on, you know, not going BPA, best player available, they went for best players of the specific need in which they need and, and it does seem like it's working out for them, you know, thus far. Um, you know, Garrett Bradbury, center starting in Minnesota. Eric McCoy starting in New Orleans. Um, you know, you've got some other rookie linemen that are contributing right away, you know, th- already as, as offensive foundational pieces. And, you know, these are things that the Jets thought that they could get by with, um, with the players that they had in-house. And um, it's a harsh reality to see that this is – not the the proper game plan to move forward with. Exactly. That, that's the point I'm trying to make is that the Jets aren't even close. They weren't ever close to being contending. You can't have a team that's close to success if you only have 15 players on your roster that you drafted. The, the reason the Bills yeah. have worked, and look at their defense. Their defense was ranked number two last year. Almost every starter on defense are guys they have drafted in the last three years. You can take a look at it. They have hardly any free agents on the defense side of the ball. And on offense, other than the two receivers and I believe the center they brought in, similarly, they've drafted almost every other player on the team. And what I'm saying is the Bills need three years of good drafting. I didn't say it was just get a top-five pick and that solves it. That would help because they could use that top-five pick to get a receiver or a left tackle, which is one thing they desperately need. But they need three years of this. They're not even close. They shouldn't be a contender for at least, I don't know, until 2024. And any Jets fans that have this delusion that your team is close, they weren't even remotely close. You cannot build winners through free agency. It just can't happen. And I think that Jets fans need to use this time, use Adam Gase's tenure to be bad and build your team through the draft. But you don't want to get a quality coach in now while you're rebuilding and then tarnish the team's culture. You're clearly going to be losing teams, so why not waste these losing years with a bad coach like Gase for the next two to three years, build through the draft, and then once you stockpile talent, get rid of Gates and then get an actual good coach and then assert that good culture and build it up. And then you've got a contender for five to 10 years. 
where you can really you can have long term success. None of this flash in the pan BS that the Jets have been known for. I mean, aren't you guys tired of what you've had the last fifty years? I mean, you haven't had a consistent contender in God knows how long. Well, I, I, I mean, I here's the thing: if, if I mean it's 2019, if if you think they're still five years away from being a contender, I mean, in today's NFL, if you have the quarterback, we've seen other teams turn it around quickly, and and I know we all like the idea of of building and 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 hitting on draft picks, and you need to do more of that. But to me, they're still. I don't think the, I don't I don't think they're as far away as as you think they are. When you look at the fact that I mean, there are some some important pieces they need to get in here. But, you know, they have the quarterback, they have a Le'Veon Bell, they have Crowder, they have Robbie, who I still think is a good player. People are down on him today because he didn't do anything. Like, the guy put up 80 yards. What do you have, two targets, three targets? Still put up 80 yards. They him at the line and they hung a safety all night. Yeah. If, if, if everyone was healthy, ideally, how many wins would this team win this year? Honestly. I, I, would, this is an, I would say nine to ten wins. Oh good God! No way! They were they were going to win six at best, man. Come on now. I mean, well, you they, think Sam okay, so, so, they, so they so they won five games last year, and by adding Le'Veon Bell, Jamison Crowder, and C.J. Mosley and Quinton Williams, you think those guys are worth one win? Yeah, especially when the rest of your roster has no depth whatsoever, and you've got a depleted. You've essentially done nothing in the draft the last couple of years. I don't know if you can blame it on the previous GM, but. You've got no depth the rest of the way. Just having big name signings never does it. Look at the history. And and and, ha- and having a franchise quarterback going. Look, look at what other franchise quarterbacks do going from year one to year two. Oh, of course. If you have a so, franchise so you think so you think you so you yet. think if, if you Donald think if Donald stayed healthy and kept yet. trending, if Donald stayed healthy and kept trending in the same direction, and you add Bell, Mosley, and Crowder, and Herndon keeps developing, all that is worth one win. Yeah, because the rest of your team has got no depth. You don't have see, The thing is, you can't have just like five great players on that top end, and then the rest of your roster is weak and thin. I think you're going to compete. That, that's not how you compete. Look at the Buffalo Bills right now. Look at their top, supposed top end talent. Are there any big name guys that stand out to you? Hardly any. But then look at their depth across the board. It's incredible. That's why they're going to be able to contend all year. They're even going to challenge the past, much everyone's surprised because of their depth. My point is the Jets don't have it. You don't. You're not even close. And, well, and I'm, I'm not putting the Bills in the Super Bowl yet. I'm, I'm not. I'm not putting the Bills in the Super Bowl at this point at two and zero. And you know they nearly they they nearly lost to a quarterback who had mono. But they're years ahead of you guys. You look at look at the roster. Look at their defense versus your defense. Come on. Yeah, their defense nearly lost to a quarterback with mono. Their their defense was ranked number two in the league last year. Right, and they, and, they, and they have a quarterback who's a really good running back. You talking about Josh so, Allen? Yeah. How, how much better is Sam Darnold than Josh Allen? Are you kidding me? <laughs> They're like nearly the same. They're both mediocre young quarterbacks. You're acting like Sam Darnold is like Drew Brees and Payne Manning. No, 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 no. I'm, a, I'm, acting, I'm acting like Sam Darnold was the consensus number one quarterback in the draft last year and finished the season as a top-rated quarterback in the NFL over the final quarter of the season, where Josh Allen had some nice rushing touchdowns. Josh Allen was, did the same thing at the end of the year. He had his production ramped up significantly as well. But that's more of a benefit of teams not trying at the end of the year than an actual reflection of how good they are. When it comes to what's going on now, no one is threatened by, by Sam Donald at all. Nobody. I know as a Jets fan, you guys hype this guy up, but outside of that, around everyone else, 
no one looks at Sam Darnold as a great quarterback or even Dude, that much. Tony Romo said he's going to be the number one quarterback in the NFL within three years. Well, that's Tony Romo, but that's one. And oh, so Tony Romo doesn't know what he's talking about. A former NFL well, I mean, quarterback can, who you sit down and watch that. a game and tell you which play is coming doesn't know. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But that doesn't mean he's definitive. You ask a lot of other teams, a lot of scouts, people are still questioning whether what kind of game he really have, his arm strength, everything. People have always questioned Donald from the jump. His quarterback class he came out was weak as it was. I mean, it wasn't like this great group okay. quarterback. All right. Well, thank you so much for the call. I really appreciate it. Uh, Calling again sometime. That was a weak quarterback class, and everybody was critical of Darnold. Jesus, I don't know where people come up with this stuff. Um, I'm guessing Bill's fan um, on that one. But, um, yeah, you know, everyone has different perspectives on, on what they see this team. And, you know, I, thank you, David, for calling in. Um, we'd definitely like to, you know, have a debate with you or t- talk to you uh, later on, um, especially next week if you'd like to call in. But I'm, I'm looking at the, the schedule yeah, right I'm, now. I'm not so sure he's a Jets fan, but – but yeah, I got that. That tendency. I, I don't know. Too, I don't know if you yeah. noticed a few times he was saying you guys, you you guys, as in like right. Jets fans, I, you guys pumped this guy up. up. That. Um, but look, yeah, look so, right so Sam Donald, Le'Veon Bell, C.J. Mosley, Jamison Crowder, Quinnen Williams, that that should add one win to your win total from the previous season. Um, so I just want and, to have a fun fact here, real quick, Glenn. Mm-hmm. There are the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Redskins the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Dolphins. Those are eight teams I just mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. They are all 0-2. And, and they're all struggling at this point in time. Dolphins can't I mean, figure out what their quarterback situation is. Giants yeah, and just bench their legendary quarterback for the year. Redskins are still trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do. Because they have Case Keenum and they have a rookie quarterback in-house as well. Raiders, they're one and one. I'm not. I'm not afraid of the Raiders at all. Bengals are zero and two and constantly beat themselves. Um, the Ravens are going to compete. The Steelers just lost Ben Roethlisberger for the entire year. So we looked at this schedule. It's crazy. now Cam yeah, Newton. Cam, Cam Newton. They say he's going to miss some time. Four from Mark Sanchez. You know, it's going to be a painful six weeks. But when we get to October 27th and we face the Jacksonville Jaguars, if the Jets can get healthy and they can figure out an identity offensively and get healthy, get healthy, for heaven's sakes, they have an opportunity to make a run and get near 500. This sounds, may sound crazy today in week two with what we've seen the last two weeks. And it's going to be a difficult stretch for the next month. But October 27th, if this team is for real, they have an opportunity to turn things around. Does anybody even know who Gardner, Gardner Minshew is? No, but everybody, everybody likes him already. From? Yeah, because what, what, he looks like the, the 70s quarterback with a, with a handlebar mustache. And not, he dresses not to like get off Fitzpatrick. The, not to get off the Jets uh, at all, but did Doug Marone, like – did you see the way that game ended? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jackson, I, I see him going for two, and I thought, I like this call. This is a ballsy move. You're going for the win. You're not going to give the ball to the other team, go to overtime, blah, blah, blah. You go for the win. Your, quarterback, your quarterback's hot. He just made some big plays, and then you hand it off. Like, I, I, thought, I, I thought Marone was like, screw it. My quarterback's on a roll. He just had, you know, had a big run, a big scramble, made some big throws. 
I'm, I'm going to let this guy try to win the game for me. And then he hands it off and gets stuffed. And I just, I don't, I don't know how much longer Doug Marone is going to be there. And that, 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 that's a nice segue into something I was going to bring up. Do, do, you, do you try to get Jalen? 2024. Oh, Judge, we got to look at 2024 until we contend. Oh, yeah, yeah, this, this, this five-year plan. Uh, yeah, uh, the, the, everyone's going to hang around until 2024 when they contend. Sam Darnold will be a, you know, be a free agent. Anyway, sorry. Um, but mentioning Ramsey made me think of that because I asked the question on Twitter. Would you give up a one for Ramsey? And, if it, you know, the people – it's like, it's like four answers people give to, to propose trades, and they just pick – it's like, a, it's like a, an algorithm. And, of course, the, the, the popular answer was uh, you don't trade for this guy. This is a guy you only add if you're one player away. Um, and as I said, I don't think the Jets are as many players away as some people think they are. Um, they got to get their stuff straight. They, they might need a new damn head coach. Who knows? But if you're the Jets, looking at, looking at what's going on with Ramsey and Jacksonville – do you make an offer? Because there was a report that an AFC team was interested. Would it be that crazy? I, I mean, the Steelers just lost Roethlisberger for the year, and their their first big move that they make, they trade for Minka Fitzpatrick, a defensive back and a safety that can play nickel corner and 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 you know maybe play outside too. And now with that thing, like the logical that, thing that, to that, do, that could be a but, top ten pick. I couldn't believe that deal. Right. So. Is it crazy that the Jets could do that? No, I don't think it's crazy. I think that if they were to do something like that, that would show, this would tell the fan base, don't give up hope. We, we could still be good defensively because I'll tell you this right now. The Jets' defense will be run ragged if they continue to be on the field the amount of time that they've spent the last two weeks. But the first half of both of these games, they played hard-nosed football. They were getting off the field on third down. They were giving their offense plenty of opportunities to put points on the board. We just couldn't get – we just kept tripping in front of our own teeth. And we were going and that, backwards and, more than forward. And, but our defense and that, was giving us all the opportunities to, to come back into this game. Absolutely. That, that was one of the things I was going to touch on tonight, and you have to. I mean, that defense to me – I said they were going to give up 35 points. They, they shocked the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, one of the biggest stories – to me, one of the biggest developments was the benching of Tremaine Johnson. I mean, that might be the one thing Adam Gase did all day that I absolutely loved. Because that's, and that, that was one of the things I said about Gase when he came here, is that he's not going to be afraid to bench guys who don't perform. He's going to be, in that sense, in that regard, he's going to be the anti-Todd Bowles. But Nate Hairston comes in and played himself a pretty damn good game. I, I'm just watching that Nate one Hairston. passing interference call, and I mean, yeah, that's and, and the and only the, thing that you could say, and that led to a touchdown it, after that. But and it was, good. but I don't know about you. I was when when, when OBJ made that ridiculous one-handed catch. I was oh, encouraged boy. by that because I'm like, I'm like Harrison's in his his hip pocket. You can't cover a guy better than that. He just made an insane There's catch. There's a few guys that make that catch. There's a few. Yeah, yeah, and 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 but Harrison really hung in there. You know, I don't. I don't know what the hell happened on the on the 89-yard touchdown. It, it looked to me like there was the Jets were a defender short on that side of the field, and uh, and and the Browns exploited that and it allowed OBJ to run for an 89-yard you know catch and run. So that was uh that was a, a ridiculous play, busted coverage. Somebody was in the wrong spot. It, it appeared to me anyway. Um, but other than that, you know, Harrison did a really nice job, and 
the Tremaine Johnson situation is basically, I think you're just, he's going to be a $24 million backup because that's, well, the, uh, sorry, that would be the cap hit. He's going to be a backup because if you cut or trade him, it's a $24 million cap hit. The Jets aren't taking that hit. Um, if they cut him after the, this league year or at the start of the new league year next year, and this is all per overthecap.com, check them out. Um, it's, it's a $12 million hit, which is still not ideal, but it's, uh, it's obviously a much better situation, a far more desirable situation. So Harrison, though, came and played pretty well. And uh, but he wasn't the only guy that got benched, was he, Alex? Uh, what What are your thoughts on the Ryan Khalil being shown the bench late in the game? You know, it, at this point, from what you were seeing, and uh, Ryan Khalil has been struggling. Uh, just to get it out there, um, I don't think he's in good football shape. He looks like a thirty-four-year-old guy. Um, they made a decision last year to hang up his hat, uh, but was given a big payday and had a big check sitting in front of him and said, you, his family was saying, you, you got to be crazy to walk away from $8.4, $8.5 million. Um, he hasn't had enough time to work with this offensive line uh, to, to get gelled and, and be a unit, and it has shown dramatically. And, uh, you know, Harrison worked his tail off this past offseason, and I was intrigued to see what he could do with, in a starter's role. Um, he, he did quite admirable when he had to pick up the slack last year. wasn't great, but he got through. And he and he and he was a part of Sam Darnold's uh, you know best part of the season last year. And there was definitely chemistry being developed between the two of them. So I, I'm glad that they made the call. I, I'll be honest with you. I wanted Lev Bell to be pulled too the minute that Simeon came out. That was the last thing that I wanted to see was another injury. That's how timid I got after that. Uh, but he went out there. He still played. They, his team didn't give up. They kept fighting. Uh, so you tip your cap to that. But uh, it, I think it was the right move. Um, and hopefully this is an eye-opener uh, to him to if you got to get together with your, you know, your four of the linemen, your five of the linemen, whatever it is, to do a little bit more film work, uh, do a little bit more chalk talk. Uh, you got to figure out a way moving forward this offensive line to, to, to be better um, and protect and do their job. Uh, but I, I do like the call of, of pulling him out at that point in time um, and kind of, you know, stop the bleeding, uh, per se. Yeah, I think that, again, it, it's up there with, with the benching of Johnson. It's it, the, the Khalil situation is, you know, for last night, a sort of double-edged sword, or not double-edged sword, but but, you know, it's uh, it's not catch twenty two. I'm I'm drawing a blank. It was there was there was some good and bad basically is is what I'm thinking here. Keeping in mind, mm-hmm. like I said, been up for twenty two, twenty three friggin' hours. Um, I'm glad Gase pulled them because it needed to happen. I, I agree, and you know, I Jonathan Harrison. I said for the majority of the off season, there's no way this guy's a starter. There's no way he's going to start. You got to find a guy. You got to draft a guy. You got to trade for a guy. You got to sign a guy. You got to sign, you know, um, Matt Paradis, something like that. It didn't happen, and I just I was like, no way they're going to start him. No way they're going to start him. But then I stopped and thought, and and I said this on the show. I tweeted it out. Went back and watched some of his games, not just from last year, but some of his games with the Colts. And I, I came to that conclusion. I was like, 
He's not that bad. He's not he's not Wesley Johnson. He's not Spencer Long of last year. And I, I was kind of in that boat too. I was like, you know what? I kinda wanna see this guy play. I think he might be solid, a good hold the fort guy for a year or two. Um but then the Jets go out and spend eight point four million on Ryan Khalil. And this is gonna be interesting. If if Khalil after a few more weeks still isn't playing well enough to, to hold on to his job and you end up benching him, then the new GM, who we're all excited about, whose forte is supposed to be, you know, the offensive line, if he spent eight point four million dollars on a downgrade at center, that that's gonna that's gonna worry me a little bit. Like this is supposed to be your thing. You know, how many times have we heard it? The Jets have neglected the O-line. They need to rebuild the O-line. This is the perfect guy to do it. He played the O-line. He knows what it takes. He's going to build this O-line. And then his first big move on the O-line is to sign a guy who might, for $8.4 million, not, not we're not talking like a vet minimum. You sign a guy for $8.4 million who might not be as good as the guy you already had. Um, and again, it's, it's the price tag that worries me. And I said that at the time. I said when they signed Khalil, you know, I hope this isn't a situation where they've just found a guy who isn't interested in playing, but they offered him so much damn money that he was like, well, all right, I'll come play for that. Want to give me $8.4 million? Cool. So, Absolutely. We'll, we'll see. And here's a quote today from Adam Gase when asked about Ryan Khalil and benching him. Um, and Harrison played the last few drives, series, whatever, um, and 18 of total snaps. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, we're probably a ways from where he'd like to be. So he's saying right now uh, he probably is another week or two from from being in, you know, in good football shape, knowing this um, offense in and out. Because let's be honest, he hasn't been through any of the the beginning phases of the offseason program. He came late to the party. But you still started in week one. So here we are week two. In week, we finished up week two. He's a ways from where he needs to be, but we still started him in week one. That's that's awesome. Yep. So you know, that's why I said uh, you know last week it's time to start scrutinizing um, the the ifs, the ands, the maybes. Um, it's time to start looking at this front office and 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 seeing all the moves that they're doing, and and if we, if we have to be a little critical on them, that's just the way it's going to go. Because um, that's what we do in New York. <laughs> um, and here's another thing that, that seemed kind of odd, too. Um, a lot of overreaction today on Jamal Adams. Did you see any of that, Jaguan? I did. I, I don't know what to make of it because I saw something where Jamal Adams claimed he never, he was never following the Jets on social media, so he didn't unfollow them. But I didn't hear the interview, but I heard he was a little bit like his answers weren't all that clear he was a little bit murky on on that stuff and that that you know the guy got you know he gets pulled with five plays left in the game after a couple of penalties and i hear people saying they're just trying to protect him he's one of their best but look then you pull you pull him earlier than that like oh that was the right time five five plays left is is that the is that is that the, the the uh you know the the most critical time to pull your player for the last five snaps of the game like, you were clearly losing that game way earlier than that. So you, you were okay if he got hurt 
on all the other plays before that when you were down 23 to 3 couldn't move the football couldn't protect the quarterback i mean that's ridiculous to, to, like they, an epiphany oh quick five plays left let's pull them all before he gets hurt it doesn't make sense it reeks of them making an example of him you have a couple penalties and you know we got to show that nobody's above the team so we're going to sit you uh you know it, it's one instance it's one incident i i think it's blown out of proportion but listen you know, Steve Young said it the other day, uh, and I saw Dan Leberfeld of, of Jets Inside or Jets Confidential said it, that we're seeing more and more young guys that they want out after two or three bad weeks. You know, look at, look at what just happened in Miami. Now, Miami's different because they're going to lose every single game 55 nothing, um, So it's going to be pretty frustrating. But we're seeing young guys who they want their way, and if they don't get their way, they want out. And Jamal, listen, it was a bit of hyperbole. I didn't, you know, some people got all offended and silly over it when Jamal Adams said he, he you know, hit his, to hit, in his mind, the perfect way to die is on the football field. But that is how much the guy loves the game. And so if you're going to start pulling him out of games that you're losing, that's, that's not going to go over well with him. And, um, you know, as we've said, we know Adam Gase has a history of, of jettisoning guys who are not happy with his system and his program. So part of me is like, oh, it's nothing. But then the other part of me is like, well, the head coach might be a lunatic. And the guy, you know, Jamal Adams might actually want out if that keeps up. So it's like nothing right now, but, but worth keeping an eye on if, if this becomes a, a multiple, you know, if there are multiple incidents along these lines. Honestly, if something happens and Jamal Adams gets traded, I will absolutely spend every penny to put up a, a billboard to fire Joe Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. That'll be the the final nail in the coffin for me. There's no way that that you're going to end up moving a player of his caliber, his talent. He is irreplaceable. He can't replace Jamal Adams. Um, yeah, I mean, leader, how, many, how many guys he, how many guys in the NFL can do what he does, you know? Oh my god. I mean, come on. This guy led all safeties in the NFL for run stuffs and tackles for a loss as a rookie. He was all pro in his second year. The sky is the limit for this guy. And unfortunately, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and this rebuild is taking way longer than anybody anticipated. And the Jets better do everything that they can to try to make Jamal Adams happy. And, and that includes, like you said before, maybe going out there and getting a player like Jalen Ramsey to solidify the secondary so that you can keep some sort of, you know, camaraderie and life um, in this locker room because offensively we're not going to get the energy that, that we want every Sunday until other things change. So um, I think it, you know, um, some of these guys that, that follow the Jets on the media side, um, you know, I, I think they're the ones that uh, like to create these little glaring headlines and, and get people triggered and upset and they look for the click, the clicks and things like that. You know, you call it journal, journal, uh, journalism, I, I don't see that as journalism, you know what I mean? Because um, I went ahead and I started looking at other players' uh, Instagram accounts, and McClendon is, does not have in his profile that he's a New York Jet. Neither does Robbie Anderson or uh, uh, who was the other one that I had saw, um, Jordan Jenkins either. So are you telling me that these guys don't want to be Jets either because their, their social media profiles aren't Jet enough? For, for these guys, give me a break. You know, give me, give me some content with some X's and O's 
Let me let me read articles about how the offensive coordinator and Adam Gase did not put a good enough game plan to protect Trevor Simeon or, you know, get an identity on offense, and that's what led to the loss last night. I'd rather read an article like that than read something about Jamal Adams was looking to jump ship because an emotional moment happened at the end of the game where he cost himself two penalties and the coach protected him from himself. Because God forbid if something got happened in those, those final plays and Jamal Adams got hurt, everyone would be grabbing their pitchforks and heading to one Jets drive for Gase's head for not pulling him out of that game earlier when the game was already lost. So, so don't give me that. And yeah, I Brent. think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think again, I think too much was made of it. But and I, again, the thing is, I can't comment because I didn't hear his interview. All I read is that he was being a little bit shady, not shady, but non-committal in some of his answers during the interview. So, uh, you know, take that for what you will. I don't. Uh, again, I, I didn't get the opportunity to listen to it. But um, another positive that I wanted to hit on. Uh, before we before we wrap things up, and you know we'll do studs and duds real quick. That that shouldn't take too long, honestly. Um, but I, actually, before I go any farther, I want to thank our sponsor, Miles Social. If you're a, a small business owner, medium sized business owner, big business owner, please visit milesocial.com. That's M I L E social.com to learn how they can help your business by managing your websites and social media. That's milesocial.com. So one of the other positives I wanted to hit on, Alex, was sort of a bounce-back performance, um, in my mind, for mm-hmm. Daryl Roberts. Daryl oh, Roberts yeah. had, himself a, he had himself a pretty nice game, didn't really give up any big catches, and had the, uh, was, was covering OBJ on that, that ball across the middle where he, they went up and collided a little bit. He got a hand on it, popped it up in the air, and, uh, and came away with the interception. So, I mean, really, you can't say enough about this defense, you know, they, you know, they're not perfect, obviously, but you're playing a team with a, a highly thought of quarterback, a couple of dynamic receivers. Of course, David and Joku went out early in the game with an injury, but this team, the, the Browns are deep was. at running back. They're deep at receiver. They have a quarterback who, you know, finished the year really strong last year and they came out and, and they did a really nice job and they, they played hard the whole game. The intensity level was there. They didn't let the circumstances, you know, they didn't let the fact that the offense was stagnant. They didn't let that affect their performance. McClendon played well. I thought that I, I would have liked to have seen uh, Frankie Louvu get a few more reps. He didn't get as many as I would have liked. But not not a bad effort across the board. Even saw Kyle Phillips get some run. I don't know if that was a result of Leonard Williams just really not playing all that well because he, he, he didn't. He had a couple pressures. He was really all night. Yeah, and, and he, yeah, they even down. when he wasn't, I saw him. They, they you know, very... Yeah, I, I saw but... some guys break some arm tackles from Leo, and he, you know, that guy's got to make a freaking play at some point. I know, yeah, he gets pressures and he affects plays, and he definitely does all that. But um, it seems like he's, you know, for that money and Move for his around, talent, some stunts. You got to figure out a way to get him free. Yeah, he, he's got to make a play at some point. But uh, Terrell Basham, I thought, was another guy who really stood out, played himself a really yep. good game. So um, some 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 positive developments on defense, and uh, and hey, they kicked the field goal, so that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, Thicken, um, welcome to the team. Um, thanks for for doing your job. 
let let let's do it again next week and 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 continue to to split those uprights. You know, Lord knows we need a kicker. So hopefully uh, it ends here and, and he's the one that sticks for the rest of the year. And, and mind you, uh, I put out something a tweet earlier about the 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 percentage changes in the amount of missed kicks since 2015 since this has happened. And it's absolutely absurd. Um, and the Jets are not the only team that are having trouble with the kickers at the, with PATs, just so everyone knows, because I know a lot of people get zero in on their singular team and don't look too much outside, but this is a problem that's been going around the league the last few years. And, and we're not the only ones dealing with this. Um, it may have taken us longer than other teams to figure this out, but um, you know, Adam Vinatieri, I, I think just hung up his issues. So, you know, Indianapolis yeah, is kind of in the same old. situation. That guy's unbelievable. I don't think he was expecting Andrew Luck to hang it up either. I think he hung around for, for one last season for him. And I think after last week, he's like, you know what? This isn't the direction where I want to be at this age. <laughs> and by the way, do you happen to know Jason Myers' field goal percentage for the 2019 season, Alex? I do not, but I am intrigued. Zero. Ha! Huh. Yeah. Now, to be That's fair, right. he's only he's he's only attempted one, but he's mm-hmm. still 0 for one uh, for 5.5 million dollars. Ficken's at 100, percent so uh, so there's that. There, yeah. There's there's that to be happy about <laughs> in week two. There's uh there, there's not a whole lot to be to be cheerful about. But like I said, the the Harrison development was nice. Basham playing playing well was nice. Daryl Roberts had himself a solid game. Really really good bounce back performance. Like I said, interception late in the game. So th- there were some positives there. Too. What's that? Blake Cashman got a lot of snaps last night too. Blake Cashman, I believe, had seven tackles. Cashman and, and Neville Hewitt combined for, I want to say, 13 tackles, a sack and a half, uh, pass defended. So the, the two backup inside linebackers did a nice job. I'm curious to see who gets the nod next to Mosley once he is back. Because, like I said, both of those guys played pretty well. Um I said I said when Williamson went down that I thought Hewitt would be the guy to get the nod and that Cashman in the, the coming weeks would take that job from him, but I didn't think it would be quite this quickly and I think he may have done that. So we'll see we'll see, you know, if Mosley's gonna be healthy. But uh Simeon's out for the year. We we touched on that earlier on Twitter, I think. And I kind of have break. Oh, that looks so ugly. Oh, that was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. But I half joked that the Jets would want to bring in a quarterback who knows the offense, so perhaps it would be Brock Osweiler. Oh, God. And, I mean, as if this season (laughs) couldn't get any worse, any faster. But I'll tell you what, Alex, I think it might end up being Brock Osweiler. It Um, it could happen. I mean, mean, you're essentially essentially looking for your fourth (laughs) quarterback, um, and it's – I think Osweiler might be the guy. You know, the other guy who was uh, was it Moore was the backup for for Gase in Miami, but he's I think he's with Jacksonville now. I forget where he is. Matt Moore is somewhere in the league, um, so he's not out there as a free agent. So Osweiler might be the dude uh, to come in, and I would certainly hope that uh, if he signed, it's not for more than a week, and he, that he never takes a snap as a Jet. Um, because that, that, like I said, as if the season could, couldn't get any worse any faster. That's just a, a, Apparently a nightmare scenario. Told but told uh, Arnold that they're expecting uh, a return by the Eagles game. Um, yeah, I'm I not hoping that. they're 
you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, this is a virus, people, so this yeah, isn't well, like, I, I saw you know, earlier, we don't know I how this thing's going to play out. I think it was Samini saying that um, that Donald feels fine now. Now it's all about the swelling, his liver swelling, um, and waiting for that. Or sorry, spleen. Um, and what they're saying, once the swelling goes down, he'll be he'll be fine to play. But the thing is, that can be different from patient to patient. There is no definitive time frame on that. So we'll see yep. what happens there. And that's the thing. I, I think you know Donald going out, and then you know was it Rappaport saying three to seven weeks. That's when the feeling yeah. of oh Jesus, the season just ended. That's when that take that, that's when that comes over you. Like okay, the year just ended. Donald's out up to seven weeks. But as you said, you know, I I think I think what's gonna even if the Jets go on a run in the second half, I think that Buffalo loss is gonna loom large. If the Jets go on this crazy run and and find a, find a way to win, you know, seven out of nine or eight out of ten at some point, I think that that Buffalo loss is gonna be the the difference. But let's 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 not get too far ahead of ourselves because they're going to go out there and lose fifty five nothing this week. Um, but that being said, Alex, let's uh, let's do some quick studs and duds and some predictions for their meeting with the Patriots. They're already a twenty three and a half point underdog. Uh, oh word! Yeah, yeah. Give me a, and I think it's only like the third time in their history that they're greater than twenty point underdog. Uh, and last time was the Patriots, and they actually came out and lost by ten. But uh, go ahead, Alex. Give me give me your three studs, your three duds. Um, all right, so let's start with the duds. Um, I'm going to have to put um, Adam Gase as my number three uh, for not being aggressive enough or, or getting um, a reasonable game plan uh, to, to try to develop an identity and get the ball to your playmakers. Um, uh, the second dud uh, – and I don't even know if this is on him, but uh, Jameson Crowder, you got to do a better job of getting open. Um, 14 catches to, you know, a couple targets and no catches four. last night, or maybe one catch. I don't know what he, he, he did had last four, night. He, he, had, he had a couple real late. He, he basically, for about 85% of the game, he had one catch, and then he had a couple on the last drive or two. I don't even know if it's fair to, to give him the dud, but I don't remember seeing you last night, so... Sorry, that's what happens. Um, and Calvin Beecham definitely is my number one dud. Um, that was just not professional left tackle play last night. And I understand that Miles Garrett is probably the second best pass rusher in the league. Um, but that that was just god awful. So those are my three duds. Um, I mean, three duds. So if I want to do three studs, uh, we'll have to go with Neville Hewitt. Um, playing way better than what I anticipated within the first two weeks uh, after seeing that dress rehearsal game against the Saints. Uh, I, I was definitely very, very nervous about him, and he looks like a man. He looked like a man possessed when he was playing last night. Um, just was all over the field and, and just making plays and very smart. Um, one thing I did like is how they were kind of doing a little bit of a QB contained to keep Baker inside the pocket and then get your big guys with your hands up to deflect those passes. Uh, Jets did a really good job tipping the ball at the line of scrimmage, taking advantage of uh, Baker Mayfield's height um, issue, I guess you could say. Um, next, I'll, I'll have to say um, uh, Terrell Basham um, just looked good. I, this is a guy that I was kind of hoping would emerge with, with the Brandon Copeland situation. 
Um, he was in the backfield several times last night, um, stopping the run, got after the quarterback, almost had a strip. Um, at one point, Baker did a good job holding on to it, though, but he was really close from catching him from behind and stripping that ball. Uh, so I really like to see somebody trending in the right direction from the outside linebacker position, especially with losing Jordan Jenkins, which was a big hit last night. That hurt a lot. Um, hopefully Jordan can get healthy, uh, you know, sooner than later. And then lastly, I'm going to have to go with uh, Daryl Roberts. Um, after, you know, having a rough game last week, coming back and, and you know, having to line up against one of the best wide receivers in the league, holding your own, um, you know, marginal. Um, there was a lot of contact on that play where he had the interception, but, you know, good players uh, make good plays in, in big situations, and, and, and that looked like to be one of them. So continue the good play, and hopefully that's a – something that trends throughout the season with Daryl Roberts continuing to play better. All right. So for me, it's going to be, uh, I, I like the way the offense played. So it's, or the way the defense played. So it's all, all three of my duds are going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, number three for me is going to be Ryan Khalil. Uh, ended up getting benched late in the game. He's got to do a better job. Number two, Kelvin Beecham, even though I felt like the coaching staff did a poor job of, of, you know, setting him up to succeed. And, and and I said it every now and then I say it, you know, I see people go crazy. This guy sucks. This guy, he had a terrible game. He got his ass kicked, blah, blah, blah. Listen, it's the NFL. Sometimes a player is going to be lined up against a dude who is just a better football player than him. And there's not a damn thing he can do about it. He can, you know, put, put your best foot forward. Um, but it, you know, again, the overall disaster that was, that took place at left tackle to me, at some point, it becomes it's on the coaches. Like they have to recognize the fact that listen, Miles Garrett is a good enough player that he's going to give Calvin Beach and Fitz all night. We got to get him some help. They didn't. However, Beecham's performance is still what Beecham's performance was. So, Khalil Beecham, and then my number one by a mile is Adam Gase. I don't need to say anymore. We we've I've gone over several times already in you know a post game article that I wrote, um, and. By the way, JetNation.com, check out the forums. Uh, <laughs> maybe not the safest place to be right now. You may want to put on a helmet before you log in because uh, tempers are, are are flaring and, and blood pressures are rising because people are pissed off, as one might expect. But Adam Gase, to me, gets uh, a great big dud. Uh, studs, I'm, I'm going to give Luke Falk a little bit of love. His NFL debut, first time stepping on the field, 20 of 25, and despite some uh, less-than-ideal circumstances, played himself a pretty damn good game. So, so you know, kudos to him. And then my number two is going to – I'm going to go with um, a guy who, who you already mentioned because – and, well, we we both mentioned. Actually, for my two and my one, I'm going with both of the corners. I think Harrison and Roberts did a, a pretty damn good job. Uh, you know, again, it's it's uh, – of course, every play counts, every score counts. I get all that. But uh, there was clearly a lack of communication on the the, the OB, ODB touchdown, and uh, or OBJ OD. I don't think ODB played in that game, um, but OBJ had had a the big touchdown on uh, a busted coverage, and I don't know who it's on, so I'm not going to sit here and assign blame and pretend I know who it was. The team obviously isn't going to come out and say it, but those two guys, for the most part, um, did a really nice job, and it was a bounce back performance for Roberts. And it was a, a nice debut in his first start for Hairston. So, 
some things went well. You know, overall, obviously the game was a disaster, 23-3. to But as we've said, the defense played hard. The defense played pretty damn good all around. Uh, again, the one busted play was big. But they did they did everything and more that you could have expected out of them. So if they can, you know, if they keep playing at that level and the offensive line can get their act together, which, again, it's not happening this week against New England. Um, a prediction for New England, a, a whole boatload of points to no points. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe eke out a field goal or something like that. But this one is going to be ugly. I'm just glad I won't be getting up at 1 a.m. to watch it. Um, put a number on it. I'm going to say uh, uh, 49 to 10 New England. Alex, what do you got? Oh, sweet geez. Um If I would have to go with a prediction here, I don't see how they don't score over 35 points. Um, just looking to what they've done the last couple weeks. So, yeah, this is going to be maybe another – we'll be lucky if we get a couple field goals. Um, maybe we put up six points. Um, if we find the end zone, that would be amazing. But this is going to be a brutal, brutal game. And we're probably looking at something like, you know, 35 to 3, 35 to 6. It's not going to be pretty. Um, hold on tight, everybody. Don't jump ship yet. But uh, the ride's going to get pretty rough moving forward. All right, Jets fans, thanks so much for tuning in. And as Alex said, man, it's, it's going to be rough. I'm not, if, 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 you, if you were to look at, Alex, the amount of time, effort, um, um, you know, basically the emotion that we invest in this team, what would the return on investment be? Would it have to be like Enron level where it's just the worst stock ever where you just keep put, pumping into it and pumping into it? It's a, it's a disaster. I don't know. But the thing is, if we get Donald back in a couple of weeks, offensive line gets their act together. There's no reason why this team can't do some things on the second half of the season. They, they give us, you know, get them back on track heading in the right direction. But I would say for the next few weeks, it's going to be some tough sledding, but hang in there, Jets fans. Hang in there with us. We appreciate you tuning in, and we will catch you next week. Next week, have a great night. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets.